You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Epa, what up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. I'm your boy, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders Undercover Capes. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. And today, we got... Two leading ladies in comics right now, indie comics. They got this kick-ass comic book via fan-based press called Nuclear Power. If you guys have not heard about it, we're about to put you on. So pull out your wallets because you're going to be buying these books like ASAP, all right? I'm very proud and happy to introduce the one and only Desiree Proctor and Erica Harrell. Epa, what up, ladies? How you doing? Hi. Hey, Hi, I can you? see you now. Check that out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm going to turn the camera off. I just wanted to say hi first. Yay. Hey, <laughs> it won't you, cut out. <laughs> Bye. Gotcha. So awesome. So thanks for taking some time, ladies, to chit-chat about this amazing comic book you guys got via fan base press. I mean, I'm digging it. The art, the story, the timeline. I mean, that imagination was going wild with this book. I'm digging it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we went a little crazy. We just kind of, you know, we've always in our writing career written for other people. And this is our chance to write whatever we wanted. So that's exactly what we did. Nice. So let's get into the origins of the fandom and the geekiness. I, I always love to hear, like, <laughs> what, what was your first dabble into you know the pop culture room what was that first taste of it that you said you know that was the point that i fell in love you know uh with fandom in general like i grew up in florida uh tampa specifically and um at school like it was like the 90s and the x-men um cartoon series was on and it was like i loved it i mean it was like the only cartoon that had like strong female characters and like rogue was awesome and storm was awesome and gene gray was awesome so that was kind of my first you know thing was always like fighting with other kids of like who i could play which x-men i could play (laughs) nice (laughs) how about you oh man i mean i grew up with um you know the 1989 batman and like the supergirl movie from 1984 like you know, that movie came out before I was born, but that was like the only movie that had like a female superhero in the title role for a long time. So Very long time. Yeah, I just watched that all the time. And then um, I was a military brat. So growing up and always being like the perpetual new kid, <laughs> I tend to escape to like books and comics a lot. So, you know, I was just born to be a nerd. <laughs> I love that, that perpetual new kid. God damn, once again, I'm starting over. Jeez, that must be tough. and That must suck. I can't, I can't imagine how that must feel growing up that, that way. Yeah, I mean, I think my parents even had it worse because they were also military brats. And my mom went to like 18 schools by the Jesus time I graduated high school. Yeah, it's crazy. I was lucky. I only went to six. <laughs> oh. <laughs> A comparison. Wow, she went three times more than you. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, basic math, folks. Yay, check that out. Anyway, um, you got really fast. I was impressed. <laughs> so let, let's talk about when you guys started dabbling. So you guys, you know, fell in love with what you guys fell in love with. But what was that first take when you started dabbling, like you wanted to, you know, start getting into the business? Uh, well, we both ended up going to the University of Central Florida in Orlando. And uh, we went to film school there and um, both ended up moving to L.A. slightly at separate times. 
Um, but once we were out in LA, we started going to comic cons together and, you know, other like convent, like smaller conventions, like LA comic con and, you know, really kind of bonded over all of the fandoms that we loved and like, you know, waiting in line with a bunch of smelly people, like for Hall H for <laughs> Oh hours. my God. Yeah. You're not lying. <laughs> you are not lying about them lines. Cause here I'm in Orlando myself and I did my first mega con. And I was waiting for someone to finish speaking to a creator. And let me tell you, I was like, guy, guy, like deodorant, please. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's inexpensive. You know, you get one of those dollar bottles or something, you know, do something. Just do you something. Know, so. uh, yeah. But we really kind of bonded over those experiences. And um, we began writing together and selling more on the TV side of things and um, sold our first project to Amazon, which was called Fritter, the Superpowered Hush Puppy. Was that on purpose, though, that you wanted to go that route? Yeah, I mean, for me, like, ever since I was really little, I knew I wanted to be in entertainment. I think it goes back to being, like, the awkward new kid. So I found my people in, like, the theater kids in school. And, you know, I started writing my own plays because that was the most accessible thing to me at the time when I was, like, in middle school. And so, like, I went into film and television knowing that I wanted to move to Los Angeles and, like, pursue a career as a writer. And I wanted to do my own comic books even when I was in middle school, but my friends and I didn't know how to draw. So we ended up, like, writing the comics and then didn't know how to draw, so we turned them into radio shows. <laughs> <laughs> and we still don't know how to draw, so we'll have to talk about our artist, Lynn Yoshii. <laughs> Gotcha. I have, yeah. Oh, oh man, Lynn is amazing. I mean, amazingly Jeez. talented. The art in this book is just gorgeous. Yes, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. How you, well, we, we're going to get into that in a little bit. So let's talk about that first time you pitched then. So you created this project and you were talking about, what was this a pet thing? What was it? It's called uh, Fritter the Superpowered Hush Puppy. And it was about <laughs> a fried hush puppy who had to fight an evil German frying pan. Oh um, man, <laughs> I love you guys, ladies' imagination. That smog in LA is mixed with a whole bunch of stuff, I guess. <laughs> it's definitely the smog going to our brains for sure. <laughs> and so, how was that experience though? Was it a scary experience when you first went up there pitching something that you guys created? Well, I think we pitched it the first couple of times, we did it kind of normal you know, maybe just in our normal speaking voices. And we were like, wait, this is supposed to be animation. It's supposed to be a little more pushed, like a cartoon. Why don't we have a friend who was a composer? He wrote a little uh, piece of music for us. And we like had the music and we had an artist do some images for us. And then we started performing it like in a crazy, like almost like old <laughs> Superman radio like voice. Um, so at that point, when you kind of like let go of looking cool um people were really <laughs> taken in by the fact that it was like kind of like doing a show for them so that's ultimately kind of what helped it sell gotcha hey that's what stan lee did apparently he acted out parts in the comic books hey, this is how i want you to draw it and he would act it out i mean yeah, what better I mean, way makes... in that craziness people love it <laughs> yeah yeah and it makes sense because you're making something that's supposed to be entertaining so when you're telling people about it you should be entertaining you know oh, man. They will not want me to start acting out scenes. It's going to be insane. <laughs> All right. part of the charm is how bad we were, though. <laughs> hey, everybody, listen, learning curves, right? And I'm pretty sure you guys became pros. So what happened right after that? I mean, was did the journey become easier in, in getting work? No, it became harder. Really? <laughs> I mean, they say, like, the, the 
in Los Angeles, they say like the first job, getting the first job is really hard. And then getting the second job is even harder. And then after that, it gets a bit easier. But the first two jobs are always the hardest to get. Um, But yeah, we sold that show. It didn't go to series. And then we ended up on a TV show last season. And then it got canceled. Um, and then we ended up in video games, which we never thought we video games. What a segue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was writing, but it was writing in kind of an interactive choose your own adventure way. So we wrote for this company oh, called cool. Telltale Games. Oh, um, yeah. nice. And they did like the Walking Dead Michonne and mm-hmm. um, Minecraft Story Mode and Game of Thrones and Guardians of the Galaxy. And because we worked at Telltale right at the same time, DC Comics was opening up their inaugural um like writer's program and in a requirement to apply you had to have some material published and we were like video games are published they're not books they're not comic books but video games count and we ended up applying and we were the only women accepted and like the only people who had come from like a tv and you know video game background so it made our application pretty interesting to them yeah awesome love it the video games experience was really good too because it was our first experience like taking comic somebody else's comic books and adapting them you know adapting walking dead and gardens of the galaxy and sure it was for a different medium but um it was a nice way it was nice like prep for going into comics but then like comic book writing is the complete opposite of video games <laughs> writing where in video game writing you're writing several hours worth of content And comic book writing, you have like, you know, you're trying to fit like things in like 25 words. (laughs) Oh, wow. To fit in a little bubble. So let's start talking about this. So is Nuclear Power your first project or no? It's It's our our first independent comic. Independent. Nice. Welcome to the world of NDA. We're happy to be here. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. So what, what was the first project then? And how, how was the experience of, of working on that? Well, our first comic book that we wrote was through the DC comic program. Um, we wrote an issue of Deadshot. Oh, nice. um, and that was like a really great experience um, to write a character that's such an anti-hero. Um, and we got to change some of his origin story a bit, which was really cool. Ooh. So that was our very first Um, comic book writing experience and from that experience and going through the dc comic writing program that's how we got introduced to fan base press and that's how we met our artist then yoshii because she went through the artist program the same time we were going through the writing program oh cool so she got selected too but i'm from the artistic side nice awesome check you guys out ladies are killing it y'all at dc (laughs) i love it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, DC really brought us all together. Um, yeah, I mean, we went into the um, offices one day because the DC Comic Writing Program was all virtual. It was all on Zoom, you know, before Zoom was cool. Um, oh. And we went into the artists, the the writers, the DC Comics offices one day, and we saw like some of the artists' work through the program, and we saw Lynn's artwork, and we're like, "Who did that? We need to find her and get her to do our comic book." Yes. Nice. And the, the drawing that she had done was a, a Wonder Woman um, okay. sketch. And it was just kind of like on a whiteboard, which you wouldn't think that like, you know, someone could do so much with Wonder Woman, a character we've seen so many times and still make it stand out to the point where we were like her, like we need her. And 
that's great choice indeed <laughs> great great choice indeed folks uh, let's start getting a little bit into nuclear power before i do that though i want to show off the trailer over here so you guys can see the beautiful art you know that that lynn is creating about in you know, this wonderful story created by the two ladies on screen check it out October of 1962. The Cold War between the U.S. and the Soviet Union is at its peak when the unthinkable happens. Nuclear War. Sixty years later, the remaining 13 states rose from the ashes to form the American Union, government by authoritarian Joint Chief of Staff, and protected by a border wall to keep out nuclear radiation and the individuals who were enhanced by it. Nuclear Power, a six-issue, creator-owned comic book series premiering in April 2021. A dark, poignant, alternate history tale that posits the lengths to which a government will go to protect or deceive its citizens. When the Joint Chiefs' dark secrets are revealed, Will survivors on both sides of the wall join forces to fight for the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Or will their differences forever divide them? Nuclear Power has an all-star creative team, written by Desiree Proctor and Erica Harrell of Telltale Games' The Walking Dead Michonne, and illustrated by Lynn Yoshi of DC's Gotham City Garage and Inside the Loop. Issues number one through six of Nuclear Power will be released digitally through Comixology and Hoopla starting in April 2021. The series will be collected as a printed trade paperback for an October 2021 release and is now available for pre-order at fanbasepress.com. Pre-orders made by August 1st of 2021 will receive exclusive signed prints of the single-issue covers as well as an issue number one variant cover signed by the creative team. Visit fanbasepress.com today and click on the shop link to get your hands on some of the most original and thought-provoking indie comics on the market. That is such an amazing book let me tell you and, and please tell me are you guys history buffs or why because you gave us the most craziest alternate history turn here ever i'm digging it so please please begin to talk inspirations behind the craziness of the story uh well you yeah. can definitely tell i'm a military brat from <laughs> and uh you know my mom is cuban she came over uh from cuba uh when she was about like uh, 16 or 17 years old mm -hmm. um and desiree's mom is half cuban and like her family had come over much earlier but you know there was a lot of like anti-cuban um sentiment like especially right after um and in the years preceding the cuban missile crisis and so it was something that kind of had affected both of our families um at different you know times in our lives even though it was something that happened decades before we were born um so we were just really interested in that period of history and how there's not a lot of stories and like people don't really know exactly how close we came to nuclear war so we thought that was just like really cool and then we wanted to add kind of a genre twist to it um and so when we tell people about it we're like it's like handmaid's tale meets x-men oh yeah. man oh yeah, yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, we, we did a lot of research for the book um, the, in the first issue and the opening pages. Um, the, the incident with the USS Randolph and the Soviet sub is an actual incident that happened. And the Soviet sub thinking that they're under attack from USS Randolph almost fired some nuclear warheads. And it was one guy, one um, Soviet um, soldier who talked them out of it. Wow. And if he hadn't been there or if he hadn't spoken up, like the war could have gone a very different direction. Um, so Erica and I went and looked up all the strike zones of where the Soviets would have strike, struck the U.S. and the U.S. would have hit like Europe and what was mm-hmm. called Manchuria and Russia. And when we saw like the amount of devastation, we realized that like both coasts of the United States would be gone and what was left of our country would probably like reform in the middle, like around Chicago. And that's why in nuclear power, uh, Chicago is the new capital of the new country that exists in what was the United States. And you kept that number to 13, right? It, it, uh, colonies or, or, country, or states that have survived the, yeah. the crisis. Kind of a and call what, back to the original 13 colonies. Yeah, but I also, caught that. I was like, Ooh, yeah. It, like <laughs> yeah, it's kind of subtle. It kind of goes by really quickly when they when we mention it. And it's not really brought up again, but it's definitely... There's a lot of nods to the um, original American revolution in this because we see this story as like a new revolution that's taking place. It's an uber crazy revolution, though, because, you know, obviously, you know, World War Three happened. Apparently, homie wasn't there to talk him out of anything. <laughs> and, and, and the world went nuts. Years have passed, you know, and people, you know, the world is trying to reform, at least our country is. Uh, but that's affected, obviously, the community. It's, it's nuclear energy, right? So how did you come with those aspects and that kind of crazy twist that you put in there? Because, uh, wow, I was, that blew my mind. I was like, oh, wow, these dirty bastards. <laughs> Ooh. Um, well, in regards to the, like, nuclear contamination, it's interesting because in real life, you know, when we were first developing nuclear-powered everything, like, we didn't know what to do with the waste and you know, our own government thought, oh, we'll just bury it in the ground and it'll be fine. It'll go away. And it wasn't until several years later that, for example, the city of Burbank in California, there was a big military base there. Nuclear waste was buried in the ground in like the 50s and 60s. And in the 80s and 90s, people in Burbank started to develop cancer. Mm. And it was because the nuclear waste had like seeped into the water and affected the water and it's still there. And so that was kind of part of the inspiration for us in terms of um, what, like, how people would have realistically handled the contamination then knowing what they knew, which gotcha. was like, let's put up a wall around these bad areas. Like we know they're bad, but that didn't necessarily keep out all of the contamination because it was in the air. It was underground. It was in the water. And then we kind of followed that sort of in a grounded sort of logical way of like, okay, well, if there was this much exposure who like the people who were on the other side of the wall when this happened that had survived and they were very exposed, what would the generations after them and themselves, like what kind of powers would they develop? And we kept those like superpowers kind of like grounded in how, you know, nuclear energy works. So there's like splitting of atoms, which is why Iris can like split her form. And there's like the, you know, 
the intake and the release of energy, which is why Reed can like transfer power um, based in like nuclear fission. Well, let's see. And let me tell you, uh, this is the craziest world I've seen yet in, in this. I, I, I'm, I, I'm digging it. It's alternate history. And everything you're saying is like, you know, those just moments. What if? Mm-hmm. Basically what this whole thing is. It's like, what if that moment didn't happen? This guy wasn't there. You know, oh, wow. This is a scary book. <laughs> yeah. And then the art. Let me tell you, the art is gorgeous so like do you guys have any input in a direction of the art or you just say here this is the story go for it girl (laughs) well lynn you know to her credit she did all of the you know like drawing of the book she did all of the lettering she did all of the coloring herself she had no one help full package wow full package which is crazy crazy and very unheard of because most of the time you know you'll have somebody like ink it and then somebody do the color and then someone else do the lettering but lynn was taking on a monumental task as well as doing the entirety of the book all the pages so she was like okay i need to you know streamline my process i need to like make this doable for herself and so she's very influenced by uh, manga and she's Japanese American. And so she kind of went in and she was also very influenced by like the um, propaganda posters from like, uh, like the Asian countries like China and like some in Japan. And so she kind of like went in that direction, making it a very cool, very clean lines in the book. And that was also the reason for the almost, the almost, um, dual chromatic look of the book because she could only really have the time to just do a couple colors. And that was also part of the reason why we went for this um, Soviet era propaganda look for especially the first issue and the colors there. But then as we were going on in the story, you'll see that the colors change. And we did that to either indicate a change in location, a change in time, because we do have like a flashback, um, or to indicate like a change in tone, like mood of the story. Yep, and let them see that gorgeous cover right there. Number oh my one. gosh. Look at that. <laughs> You're saying it's the use of the tones, the line work, everything. She is Oh, I cannot wait to see more. Not not just from her, but also from the nuclear power universe over here. Because there's a lot of story to tell here. Oh my gosh, there's so much story to tell. There's so much more that we could tell. Because like we said, we looked at the strike zones of like what Russia and Europe would look like today. And we're like, oh man, we'd love to see what's going on over there. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm what, saying. Yeah. That, that's what piqued my interest here. Because again, this is something that happened on a global scale. And we're just seeing, you know, this one side of, of what happened. And, you know, now Walking Dead has got me hooked on, you know, seeing these more bigger universes and, and seeing, you know, what else happened elsewhere? How did they handle it? So I would be very curious to see how maybe in Europe they handle this. Yeah. yeah, and also the places that weren't touched, like, you know, uh, where did they go? So places like Africa and places like South America that, like, that were relatively unscathed, have they become, mm. like, the world the superpowers? superpowers? Yeah, oh, my yeah, God. The superpowers without the superpowers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, true. Check that out. Because if they weren't affected, you know, there is no variance there. So now the variance, because that's what you call them. I love that yeah. word, too. Um, well, there could be a market for them. Look at this. I mean, I'm seeing this whole grimy world now. This is going to be insane. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Are, are we getting more? Are we going to get more? 
Well, I mean, depending on the success of the book and if people buy it and love it and, you know, maybe it could even get adapted into other mediums like television or film. Like we'd what love would to be, keep it going. Okay. What would be your preference? If it could be adapted to anything, you know, comic book, video game, movie, which would be your preference? Animation. I would say live action TV and then video game. Cause I think it would be a really fun open world video game where you could really explore things. And you could be the option of being a variant or a soldier. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like, uh, where are you? You know, what country are you in? Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Start writing, start writing the game, ladies. I'm ready. <laughs> what platform are we getting it on? Uh, this is what I want to know. It'll be sure. all platforms. Very exciting. <laughs> hey, you come from that world, so why not make it happen? I'm, I'm digging <laughs> it. So uh, the trade paperback was already released, right? So people could get that. And let's show the gorgeous cover there. Because look at that, folks. And here you get to see, you know, a greater range of the cast, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, mm, we got Reed and Iris and Claudia. Um, yeah, it was very important for us when telling a story about like people with superpowers that our main character not have superpowers. Like that was something that because you you always hear from the sides of like the chosen ones, the people that have the powers, but you never really hear as much from the people that don't have the powers. No, yeah, true, true. true. Yeah. Talk about the guy with power here. Look at that. Yeah, Gee, that's. Yeah. That was inspired from, uh, this cover was inspired by a book from the 1950s or 40s that was on um, atomic music, energy. Atomic energy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so Back- like, we love that image. And then, of course, Lynn designed this character like so well and made him super hot. <laughs> no, it's a great looking character. Now, how? so is this is your first creator owned project? Yes. yes. So yes. how's, fan, how's fan how that journey? Press is, is yeah. our, you know, publisher, but, you know, we came to them and sort of pitched the idea and then, you know, it became a creator owned and then they helped us distribute it. Yeah. Barbara's awesome from, from fan base. I had on not too long ago. Amazing. And, you know, she's uh, definitely somebody out there fighting for Indian. And I, I dig it. Yeah. Um, so was there any difference in, in from a creative perspective in handling something that's creator owned versus somebody else's property? Oh my gosh, a big difference. I mean, we have so much more freedom, especially since Barbara and Bryant are um, so supportive of the talent and they really want to help you like fulfill your vision. Whereas when we're writing for, we're adapting a video game or we're writing for um, other other comics or television, we're writing somebody else's ideas. And so you're trying to almost like mimic someone else's voice yes. rather than showcase your own. That's not to say, though, that like, you know, Barbara and Bryant definitely had notes along the way and like helped us sort of like shape the story. And like we're there for feedback because we love collaborating and we love like the process of, you know, getting notes. Um, but sometimes even Lynn, our artist, was shocked when she would like get one of the comic <laughs> scripts and like say something terrible happened to several characters or one character in particular. And she's like, no, but I love them. Now you're going to make me draw this. <laughs> um, <laughs> you evil people, you. Yeah. My gosh. <laughs> we actually did save some characters because there was one script we turned into her and she was like, guys, this is just it's too dark. 
like, you can't do this. It's too much. I would stop reading after this. And we're like, oh, well, if you're that passionate about it, <laughs> you better change it. Okay, we'll give you a mercy save. No problem. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just this time. Don't get used to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so are we going to get more creator-owned projects from you guys outside of nuclear power? Are we going to get anything else maybe from a different place? What's popping? Because you ladies are extremely talented. Like I said, I was hooked like, I was hooked like a fish reading this book. Thank you. Well, creator owned, we, we hope to have some more creator owned stuff coming up, but we were contacted out of the blue um, by Marvel and oh. we're writing um, something for their Marvel voices, Comunidades, which is their Latinx yes. anthology, which is coming out in December. Oh, word. You're going to do Comunidades. I can't wait. This is awesome. Check yeah. So we were able to get a character. She's also from Florida and she's hey. half Seminole and half Cuban. And nice. um, we're really, really excited about that. How do you guys feel that, you know, it's about finally seeing so much representation, you know, and especially coming from the big two, which was hesitant at first kind of to do things, you know? Because if you hear stories from Don McGregor, you know, he was trying to break the mold. He had horror stories from the Marvel bullpen back then. And not to see how open they are to listening. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, it's it's amazing. It's kind of, in a way, hard to believe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because it's across the board. It's been like a very big push, not only on the comic side, but the television and the video game side all around. I mean, we're currently writing for a new uh, Disney Channel series that's about uh, a Mexican-American family where um, they have, like, luchador masks that are magical and give them superpowers, and they fight crime. Oh, I'm digging it. And so it's just to see, like all around this like desire to see more like diverse content and cast and like, I mean, and then, it, I, I, then I think it's going to just keep, keep going like that as the world becomes more international or yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, not only is there a push for it, but there seems to be more of an appetite for it. And, you know, not just Latin stories, but things like squid games, you know, where it's like yeah. 190 million people watched something with subtitles, like, that's huge. That was like very nuanced and also very culturally specific. So that's really cool to be a part of, you know, this and to have, you know, nuclear power and Marvel and also, you know, ultraviolet and black scorpion is the Disney show that Desiree mentioned. Hey, Oh, look at that name too. I can't wait. And thank you for doing stuff for, for Nuestra Comunidad. You know, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Again, me growing up, I didn't see much of myself. You know, I was saying silly, Chapurin Colorado, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that was silly. Uh, you know, not, it's nice to see that you guys are having fun, you know, with our culture and, and doing awesome stuff with that and bringing represent, great representation. So, ladies, kudos to you. Thank I, you. I, I wish you guys not, but, you know, like, success, crazy success. I can't wait to uh, see, see that TV show now. <laughs> I, want to, I want to see nuclear power as a game and and the live action now. You got me hooked. Are you guys gonna be doing any conventions before we go? Is there any convention is on the on the, on the horizon, either this year or next? We hope next year, just because of you know the uncertainty of everything that's happening in the world, and um, yeah, we're hoping to make a few appearances next year. But we don't have anything specifically lined up. But it's going to be like where fan base goes, we will. You know, probably try to go with them. 
Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yo, rock out that fan base booth. Yes. They'd be killing it. I, I remember seeing them at San Diego. Wow. A lot of people. I was trying to talk to Barbara but then, but it was like impossible. She's very busy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their comic book, Quince, was like a big hit. Quince, um, bilingual. Yeah, man. When, when I, uh, I, I forgot the gentleman's name, his last name. Because for me, I was like, I never, you know, it wasn't for me with the last name. And I said, wow. This guy, is he Latino? I'm not sure. Man, did he hit me on Twitter quick? Yeah, just so you know, yes, oh, I am yes, Latino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, brother, thank you. With the name, you know, not Sanos Calisek, something like that, right? Yes. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, one of the writers on the show we're on now is uh, Mexican-American, first generation. And, you know, he has a Jewish last name. Um, no, they confuse me. Like, wait a minute, what? What? It's again showing how global and diverse we're getting and mixed, right? I mean, yes. it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, though. It is. I'm, yeah, I'm, I love it. This is what we've we should be. We human beings. Come on, people, let's have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Stop the beef. Stop the beef. Let's talk about good comics like nuclear power. You know, made by these powerful ladies that are, that are smashing it in video games and TV comics. What else? Are you guys going to have a, your own podcast soon? Because you guys got to. Uh, becoming like the queens of all media. So you got video games, <laughs> comics, right? TV. Now we got to conquer radio and podcast. So are you oh, guys going to no. do a show or what? Oh man, maybe this is when I revive <laughs> that radio show I had in middle school. <laughs> I feel hey. like we already talk to each other on Zoom all day when we're in the writer's room. So like nobody wants to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but ladies, you guys have been awesome. I really appreciate your time today, folks. Look, I've been showing it right there. You can buy the whole collected trade right now of nuclear power fanbasepress.com or if you're a digital person you know I'm a print man I want to go to fanbase you know get that real book in your that way you get it autographed when they go to a convention next year yeah right get that go to hoopla comics plus or comicsology again nuclear power fan fanbase press um you guys have been amazing thank you thank you for, for what you do give me your flowers or you guys rock much continued success on your journey and uh, I hope to have you back on so we, when we talk about the video game and how that process went for Nuclear Power. Can we? <laughs> yes, you know? absolutely. Let's do it. Folks, you know what it is? My outro says everything you guys need to do. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And hasta la próxima. Mucho love, mi gente. Wepa! Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 